all he does is catch the football. That's, that is beautiful. That's why I came to West Virginia, man. Ding dong, the witch is dead in Arizona. This is a totally energized Heinz Field, the power of the Renegade song. The backyard brawl, man, against Pitt. Look at that. Oh, there's Rob Wolfley. Wow! They came after Donovan McNabb, went after him. They played to win the game. Everybody's going bonkers, even the referees. Oh, those, those look like some sticky gloves right there. We talk about 50-50. Right now it's 50-50. Who's going to get it? Game came with cover zero. Man across the board. Pick up a flag because, hey, and then with the Renegade song, even flags don't count. They're going to get an Italian army behind them right there, just like Franco Harris. My goodness, that is pure guts. Give me a pepperoni roll, man. Hello, and welcome to the Three Wolves of Football. The boys from Orchard Park, the outsiders, talking about faith, family, football, and, of course, food. And we have my two brothers. Well, first of all, I'm the Wolf Man. I'm Dale Wolfley. And my eldest brother, Craig. There you see, Craig. Yes. Hello. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, Ronnie Paul, Pony Boy. We got Pony Boy and Derry. And we are glad. This is the 10th episode of the three wolves of football and we're just having fun it feels like we're just getting into it so with that being said gentlemen do you anything you want to add to tonight's story before we get going no it's just good to be with you guys love you guys as always and in the northeast here we're starting to get that cold and i know i know somebody down in arizona is having some nice weather Oh, man, it's absolutely awesome, guys. Good to be here, as always. Let's talk some blood sport, shall we? <laughs> yeah, we are going to get into blood sport, but, you know, we have a couple things we have to get to first. And the first one is we are getting this questions coming into us, asking us, uh, really to me, because they're contacting me, but I'm letting you know now. And the question for this week that I decided upon was, they want to say, what's it like with a family, Wolfley clan reunion and uh pony boy i'm going to start out with you and then Derry, you are next yeah you know what um it's noisy <laughs> there's a lot of noise man there's no doubt about it imagine this there's a farmhouse that sits on a hill in a place called rushford new york there's a farm hill it's got five bedrooms and it has one bathroom and it sits on this hill up from the little town of Rushford, New York, population 1,100 people out in the southern tier of western New York, down near the Pennsylvania border, in Amish country. This house sits on this hill, man, and there's like 27 people who descend and ascend onto the property. And suddenly you're sleeping in a one bath five-bedroom home, you got 27 people. You do the math on that one right there. It's typically really, really noisy. There's also a lot of love that shows up too, man. No question about it. And, of course, you're speaking of Palooza. All right? In, in honor of Hoopy, our mom, we all get together. The clan comes together. You know what I mean? And it's everybody brings the kids and everything else. And it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful time 
featured every night is, you know, the, uh, the telling of stories around the campfire and everything. But, you know, not everybody sleeps in that house because it got we got so many people. We have the Cousin Eddie R&V out parked in the back that the, my clan tends to take over. And we go out there and we stay in the R&V. And, you know, it's, it's just a great time, man. And it's beautiful. You know, it's a little town, this little bug tussle town of Rushford. Great people there. And yeah. I, I can only tell you, you have the time of your life, and it's wonderful. So, you know, as I always say, it's the Wolfley family. It's the love that we all share for each other. It was uh, given to us by our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen. And, you know, Hoopy was the one that just has spread that love to all of us, all the kids, man. Yeah, and as the picture shows, this is a large clan. When God said, go out and multiply, he was talking <laughs> to us, and we certainly have tried. And even on this picture, we have so many. We're still missing so many in the Wolfley clan. But it started with the five, started from Hoopy and Ronald, uh, Edwin Wolfley, and, uh, or Edward, and that's where it started from. So it's so exciting. And let me just say this, the Wolfley clan, it's crazy, it's kooky, okay? It's definitely not spooky. But it, it is the wolf the monsters. Family. Yes, absolutely. It is a lot of fun and joy. And, uh, yeah, when you see kids just laying in the corners because there's no beds <laughs> and they're sleeping in the corners, and you know you're at a hoopie palooza. So, uh, you know, Derry, uh, Pony Boy Band, that's some good wolfly types. It's for some reason we we started in a one bathroom house and <laughs> we're finished. We finish in a one bathroom house. If there's one word though that dominates at Hoopy Palooza, it's food alicious, man. Oh yeah. There you go. That guy heaven. Let me tell you. Oh, you know what? You know what too, man? There's always because we, we typically get a band and we also have a, a kind of a gathering. There's always a party for the most part, and we're yes. celebrating something. There's a lot of bad dancing that is involved. Ooh. Really, really bad. bad dance. Again, yes, uh, Hoopy Palooza. We enjoy it, and it is quite the gathering. And uh, if you can get anything in word wise around the, the table, <laughs> you're doing something good with this crew. And I'm talking about my two sisters. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. So let's move on now. And, you know, Derry, this is it's Mulligan time. And, you know, I, I, I can't help it. You know, you put yourself in this one. And uh, so here I'm going to say is that it's for Mulligan. I'm going to say for you, do a do-over, okay? Just go with the brother <laughs> and just do a do-over. So just go ahead. Let's, let's get a do-over then. Okay. Under advisement of my, my youngest brother, let's get a do-over. There you go, brother. Happened to be on the, also on the 26th anniversary weekend for, for me and my brides. Brides, brides, brides. Okay, I just want to clarify in this from last week. You talk about, how many brides do you have? One, <laughs> one, buddy, just one. I'm just I that, all I know is one, man, and I, I just wanted to know. Hey, from last week, I said that's definitely a do-over. But... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. Um, let's just keep that between us, okay? That's you know, that's just, that, that was a mistake. <laughs> I got just one. That's my girl, Faith. Faith Dale Wolfley, the greatest yep. blessing of my life. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. But that is family busting. That's what we yeah, call it. Exactly. <laughs> All right. I'm, now, let's just, let's remember this. Don't get me in trouble. My wife is a two-time AAU national karate champion. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying, 
You know, yeah. I, I already got one tooth missing. I don't need another. <laughs> you know, well, I should. That's really, awesome. I really should put a disclaimer up. He's getting tooth fixed at the end of the year. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the tooth is coming, guys. It's coming. Okay. That's why we call our our family the Wu Fang Clan. At right. least I do. I call it the Wu Fang Clan. And you right. know, it's it doesn't matter who you are. If you're a kid, boy, girl, doesn't matter. Grown adult, old people, you're gonna brawl if you're in this family. <laughs> is that the first time down to the One Fang Clan at some point? <laughs> Okay, now this is a blast from your past, and Hoopy sent me this, and I couldn't pass up on it because I'm I'm such a Syracuse fan, such a SU. I was ball boy there for four yes. years, and of course, in 1979, old Archibald Stadium that was built in 1907 was torn down your senior year, Derry, and you had to go. You had two games at the Meadowlands for home games. You had two games at Bill's Stadium, Rich Stadium for. Uh, a home game, and you had one at Utica because you only had five home games that season. It was think, at Cornell. It was at Cornell, was Cornell. University. Well, yep. okay, that's why you're a fact checker, and I'm not. That was it. And this right here is Old Archibald Stadium, and here's some stuff for the past. Now, listen, I told you last week I wanted you to tell a story about Archibald Stadium and the locker room and the dogs, but you can see there, there's you up there with Art Monk, Joe Morris, and Bill Hurley. Yeah, put on those glasses. Yep. That is from 1979, and then you're going to be able to see as the here is the schedule from that card. Well, that card is from 1979, but you played teams like you opened up with Ohio State. You had Washington State. You had Pittsburgh. You know, you played. You had West Virginia. You played some serious teams back then in the schedule, man. Tell us about old Archibald Stadium, and 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 then you had to go ahead and travel on and you know if you got a story about art bunker joe morris man let us hear it ah, no the biggest thing let me just tell you something 1907 archbold stadium was built by a uh financier guy you know old man archbold built that thing it actually housed the olympic trials i can't remember what year but they had the summer olympic trials were held there uh it, it had great history but by the time I got there, and remind, and, and let me just remind you on my recruiting trip to Syracuse, um, I saw that stadium roughly, I think it was about 11.35 at night, um, <laughs> at, on a Saturday night, doing about 45 miles an hour as we came down Comstock. And somebody pointed out, oh, that's the stadium you'll be playing in. You're like, going, oh, really? What? Where? What? You don't see it, you know? So it really was kind of a rock pile, but it had its it had its like side that I that you loved, you know. But I will never forget my sophomore year, and we're playing the University of Washington, I believe it was at at, at the Syracuse, okay. And um, Frank Maloney was my head coach. I loved him, great man. Uh, he was one of those Newt Rockney type guys, you know, going to whip a frenzy before the game and give you that pregame speech and everybody's going nuts. But the one thing you didn't do, you didn't laugh, you didn't smile, right? I mean, it's a serious business. So I'm in the locker room that housed the likes of Jim Brown and and uh, Larry Zonka, Floyd Little, all these great legends Herbie of the NFL. Davis. Yes, and so I'm in there you know, as Frank's whipping it up, and here we go, you know, and all of a sudden, I hear this, and you realize it's a dog, and then there's a chorus 
as they're joining in. And there, somehow, I don't know why, there was a bunch of dogs that were being uh, it just kept in the room above the locker room. And they heard Frank getting everybody fired up. And now the dogs are going crazy. like this. And I'm sitting there going, I'm trying not to laugh. It's hilarious. You know, as these dogs are going crazy upstairs and Frank it seemingly doesn't even hear him. And he's got the whole Newt Rockney thing going on. He's ready to, you know, bust a, a bottle and kick the locker over and everything. And these dogs are going crazy. And it was <laughs> not to laugh. And I will tell you, um, it didn't help because Washington beat us. <laughs> and I, his life. I, I just got to say this quickly, man. I was at the last game that was played in Archbold Stadium. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Was, I was there the last game. And there was this dude. Remember remember the Archbold, the first bowl? The first, you know, it was a bowl. It was. It, right. it, was, it was a bowl. And when you got to the top of it, there was an orange, um, you know, it was a plywood fence that was all the way around the top right. of it. Remember that? Yep. I was there, and everyone was ripping stuff apart. There were people that were chipping their seats out, the seat number, chipping yep. it out. With there were Hammer. people running onto the um, stadium, and they were cutting out swatches of the grass and carrying it out so they could plant it in their yard, right? And there were guys up there were ripping down the fence that was surrounding it. And this one guy is up there, and you could tell he was just hammered. He was hammered, and he was up there like this, and he was trying to get this plywood to break, and he finally breaks it, and it and he, it goes out in front of him like a sled, and he goes down, yes, and he goes down. at Archbold Stadium on this thing, man. You should have seen it. It was like I, that place, man. I have great memories. He was sledding, and, and, and I'll tell you this. I remember we had to go ahead and go to the Orange Club to get in for free. We had a guy, it was the Orange Men's Club, and we'd go in there, and the guy'd be like, come on, Wolfleys, come on, come on. It's oh, Red Mackamer. That's yeah, who it was. Yeah, Red Red Mackimer. Mackimer. Yep. Yeah. And he'd bring the knockers all the time when he was yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hunks of meat, man. Hunks of meat. We loved it, right? So, anyways, I go down there. This is your freshman year, Derry, and I'm walking around because you know I got into everywhere. I'm like nine, ten years old, right? No, you're unbelievable. Yeah, so I'm just getting into everything. And the equipment manager goes by and says, Hey, what are you doing? I said, Oh, I'm just hanging out. He goes, Are you Wolfley's boy or brother? I said, Yeah. He goes, You want to be the ball boy? (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, I was Fish, the equipment manager, Fish. And he's like, I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. So I'm out there on the field, and, you know, here comes Brother Craig. He's a freshman now. He's just a freshman, man. He's just first time, first game out there. He's doing warm-ups. I'm like, hey, Craig, what's up? How are you doing? And he's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> I was shocked. I'm like, Damn. He's like, get out of here. You're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no. Dale, you always did that. You you always showed up somewhere in the weirdest places, man. You got in all the time, all over. Didn't matter where we were, you got in. Yeah, I I had a way of of, uh, getting myself into talking myself in in places where I I probably don't your way into anywhere, man. (laughs) That's for sure. Now, so let's go. I just, you know, those are some great stories of old Archibald saying. I've been wanting you to tell that because the dog thing is hysterical. Man. Oh, it is. Because uh, yeah. you can see Frank Baloney, the spitfire dude that he was. Irish Absolutely. Dude. 
And yeah. remember who was on that staff, fellas. Let me remind you. It was Frank Maloney, but there was Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin. All right, Tommy Coughlin, head coach of the, the Giants, and then Jacksonville GM and, and so forth. Then there was also uh, uh, Jerry Angelo, who was the GM of the Chicago Bears. Yes. Uh, let's not forget Lou Saban. Was, or, I'm sorry, Nick Saban was there. Nick Saban was there as a as a uh, undergraduate coach, or I can't I remember forgot all about that, man. But yeah. yeah, I mean, Nick Saban was on that staff. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, and then of course, you know, like I said, the pitcher you had Joe Morris for the Giants, all time, you know, one of the all time greats for the Skins, man. Well, the Commanders now, right? And what I didn't see, I didn't see Jimmy Collins in that, but Jimmy Collins was a Pro Bowl linebacker for the Rams. Yeah, you know, he true. was on that. He was on that. I remember we played University of Pitt one year. He had 29 tackles in the game. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Just yes. unbelievable. No doubt. Okay, well, we're going to move this on here. And, uh, Pony Boy, we're going to actually move out to your section because HBO Hard Knocks has been coming in. And this is from the Luke and Wolf – or the Wolf and Luke show. Excuse me. Sorry, the, the Wolf and Luke. And here we go. Hard Knocks with Hard Rock. Wolf and Luke on last night's episode of Hard Knocks, in season with the Arizona Cardinals. That's the only way to cover Hard Knocks on this show is with some hard rock, huh? Yeah, I need to create a disclaimer, okay? Because anyone that has listened to me, you know the way I feel about this. The assault, it is on the locker room to have cameras and live mics inside that locker room, inside that facility building. You know how I feel about this. As a player, I would have absolutely hated it. Yet at the same time, as I continue in that philosophy and believe that philosophy, I will tell you, as somebody watching it, <laughs> this is kind of cool, it man. Was good. <laughs> so you go through that whole philosophy thing, and what you said about it, about invasion of the locker room, and now you're like, man, this is kind of cool because it, I think it airs like every Wednesday night, and it's, you know, it goes in depth about the Cardinals. Go ahead, Pony Boy. No, uh, it really does. Um, it's so funny because I, I, I would have hated it. I really would have as a player. I've told you guys this before. It is the sanctity of the locker room, man, of being able to walk around and talk to your teammates and rip your teammate and say anything you want to say about your teammate for the most part and do it with impunity. Um, and it's just not like that. You have to worry about everything you say and how it's going to sound and who's going to take it the wrong way. And, man, I don't think you ought to be thinking about that when you're in the facility building. I don't think you ought to be thinking about that when you're in the team environment with the guys. And for me, you know, you'd walk in and you'd be thinking, should I say it or should I not say it? Well, either way, it's incorrect thinking because, you know, you would normally just say it. You never think about it. Now, all of a sudden, you have to worry about it. So I don't like that dynamic of it. I never will, and I'll never apologize for that. As a former player, I can't stand that. Yet, as a guy that's fat and 60 years old (laughs) watching it, can I tell you, it was done so well professionally and artistically um, that (laughs) – yeah, you can see why fans love it, man. You can see why fans love it. I thought you were 60 and skinny now. What happened? Did you gain well, weight? Well, you know, I have lost 25 pounds. Just saying. <laughs> All right, Terry, what do you think about that? Going in the locker room, man, showing, hey, what's what's up? What's happening? You know, 
I always, I, I, we used to have a sign in the Three Rivers locker room was on all four walls. What you see here, what you say here, what you do here stays here when you leave here. And I truly believe in that. And I know what Ronnie is talking about right now. I believe in the same thing. I, I, can't, I can't help myself but say, you know, when you watch it from the outside, it is fascinating. But if you're on the inside, you want that sanctity. I mean, you want, let me tell you something, football is an emotional game. Football played with passion and enthusiasm the way it's supposed to be played is a game that brings out the best and the worst in you. And so you've got to be, let's just say, mindful of those dynamics that, that pull you apart. They are polarizing within yourself. And so personally, um, you know, if I was in that situation, I wouldn't like it because I feel like the sanctity of the locker room is being violated. But professionally, as a another fat guy watching from the outside and 64 years old, and 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 by the way, I have not lost twenty five pounds, Ronnie. So <laughs> I will tell yeah, you, you, it's, it's you interesting. Look good, to watch. You look good, Derry, except when you smile. <laughs> yeah, lost twenty five pounds. Did you lost a tooth? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Just like the game of football, things have changed since you guys have played, uh, and most people are not. It seems to be like the whole uh, locker room invasion is not a big deal to them. So or, you like it, right? Well, so, I did not say like I'm saying that's oh, reality. Is, okay. I can remember the first time that they led women into the locker room, and I'm standing there. I'm that's just trying. Awkward. Yeah, I'm standing there. I'm, I'm drying my hair. I take my towel down, and there's this woman ready to talk to me. And I'm like, "Hey, how you doing? All right." So I mean, it's you know, it's it's about. <laughs> You know, there, there you go. Hey, how you doing? Oh, how good you doing? Yeah. There you <laughs> go. All uh, right. So anyway, moving right along. Moving right along. But hey, the first time you saw a woman in the locker room and you're standing there in the buff, man. Hey, I know. I wasn't standing in the buff. I, was yeah, like, well, I didn't know she was. I didn't know she was there. I was drying my hair. All right. So we are going to continue <laughs> moving along. And now this gets to a little bit. This is my series. Yeah. <laughs> this is a new segment. I've been waiting to do this one, and because we're all. Broadcasting, we all call it a game or two in broadcasting. Uh, I want to hear how you guys would call this play, okay? And uh, Derry, I'm going to start with you first, being that you're the eldest brother. Watch this play and then tell me how you would sum it up as a color guy for the Steelers at 13 yards. Oh my gosh! Oh, he hit him right in the goal. Oh my lord! Oh, that did not look like it felt good. Samer still, Mike Samer still put a helmet right between his uh. I'm going to leave that one alone. Well, what I would say is that um, that's probably the one guy that wears a cup because he bounced right up. And I would have to say, looking at that, thinking to myself, you know, either he's got um, stones like I don't believe or this guy is wearing – he might be one of the few guys wearing a cup in football. There's no way. There's no way in the world he was wearing a cup. Did you see him bounce up? Yeah, but Craig, he bounced up, and you know how that comes, man. That's typically a three, four-second delay where suddenly it hits you like a ton of bricks. See, see, this is where you're wrong because one of my greatest <laughs> attributes as a player, and a, and a reporter once asked me, he said, what, what's your greatest attribute? I said, my ability to recognize pain immediately. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know your own strengths. That is you got to know. You got to know your own strengths, Here's- there was a there was a punt returner for the Chicago Bears. His name was Virgil Livers. Go ahead and Google it, my young crack brothers. Um, Virgil Livers as a punt returner. 
he got hit right in the cradle. And you know what I'm talking about, just like that dude. He got hit right in the cradle, and one one of his testicles swelled up. Guess what they had to do to old Virgil Ivers? They had to remove one of those testicles. Okay, guess what? You can't lose both of those, boys. (laughs) You can't lose both of them. Never forget that because you're going to be in trouble, if you know what I mean, if you lose both of those testicles. One of them, you'll be okay. Two, you're in trouble. You're making me discomfortable just listening. Virgil Ivers retired, if you know what I mean. I got you. It was probably one of the wisest things he's ever done. Way to go, Virgil. Well... Because I've thought about it, I said, this is, how would you call us? I would say, well, I think that your kingdom and throne is in jeopardy. Because <laughs> <laughs> the crown oh. jewels have been taken away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my brother. Very good. Hey, now listen. This is hey, really let's just say this. Think about it. All three of us, I'm watching the faces of you guys as we're doing it. And we're all cringing at the same time. You can, you know, you, you, you know, we've been in similar situations, not necessarily the same, but you know, when you see that cringing moment, it's like, oh no. Well, just so you know, that is a new Wolfley segment for the future. Not every time, but you know, we see a play. We go, oh, would the Wolfleys call it? That's what oh, we're going to call that it. segment. But this segment, like, I'm really fired up because the Steelers won, the Cardinals won. Yes. Okay, my bills lost, I know, but it, it was a disaster. I, it was. But the Steelers did win, and this is cool because I think what I'm seeing here is something about Kenny Pickett and growing up. And, and this is a highlight with you, Derry. Beautiful thing here is Kenny on a reverse rollout. Now you've got a selection of three different guys. you got Fryer Muth short. you got Deontay Johnson mid-level. And then you got George Pickens over the top. You're looking at one-third of the field. You're outside the numbers. You take a look at that, and it cuts down on the sort of traffic you're going to run into as a quarterback trying to make sure that you don't throw one of those dastardly passes to the other team. Okay, number one, I love the word dastardly in a ball game. Okay, right. but what you did is you just broke it down for everybody. Talking about how you're going to run Kenny and how you're helping him as a young quarterback, reducing the field, reducing the number of defenders, and giving him three options. They flooded the field, short, medium, and long. And go ahead, explain it. I already did. You just heard it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, was, I was so fired up when I was watching because that's what they're they're doing. What we talked about and helping him out. But here's the thing that's important for him because. When you start to throw, you know, outside the the hash marks or the numbers, if you start to reduce the field, the visibility for the quarterback, it gives you an opportunity to be able to get into a rhythm. You know, one of the things I love about Kenny is, is he's like he's like, uh, you know, if you ever sit watch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? I think I've talked about this before, yep, right? Yep. He's just better when he moves, you know. And the Sundance Kid in that movie, you know, he says. He couldn't shoot, you know, a tin can, but he says, if I can move it, and then all of a sudden he's moving, right? That's the way Kenny is, and he moves and does a great job. And I thought Kenny did a couple of things this past weekend, which was important. Number one, he absolutely protected the ball. There was no chance of interceptions where he threw the ball. He was really very careful with the placement of the ball, making sure not to put that ball in jeopardy. And the other thing about it was he used his legs to get mobile, He rushed eight carries, 51 yards, which helped the Steelers to rush for over 200 yards. First time in, what, six years they've rushed for over 200 yards. Not since Le'Veon Bell in Buffalo 
went for a couple hundred yards. He rushed up there. I remember I was on the sidelines, and it was very cold. And by the way, Le'Veon almost had one of those moments that we just watched with that other running back when he jumped into the air and tried to jump a guy and hurdle a guy and almost had a similar problem, okay? But certainly with Kenny, reducing the the indecision stuff and giving him more of a finite look is, is beneficial. And I think it's just going to help him grow. You don't do it all the time, obviously. I mean, that's just something to get you untracked and going. But uh, Kenny's going to be good. You watch. He's, he's going to be a good quarterback. Really liked it, uh, and I thought it really paid dividends. As you said, they got creative in a lot of ways uh, with helping him out, and that's what a rookie quarterback needs. Now, Bodie Boy, let's go ahead and move on to the cards here. Now, I got a highlight here because I love this, and this is a couple of weeks ago uh, that you did it with D-Hop, but you know I'm a number one fan of D-Hop, right? So, yeah. I mean, that's what I, I love. With Pickens coming up, I'm telling you, oh, that young man keeps doing stuff. The Steelers, but great patience by Kyler Murray with pressure in his face. He waited, found DeAndre Hopkins, who did the rest, and the Cardinals get a first quarter touchdown for the first time in a long time. This house is clean, David. Oh my <laughs> goodness, the Seattle Seahawks playing his own. DeAndre Hopkins running it in route. Great job clearing out the zone. And Kyler Murray saw it, put it on D-Hop, and Nuke knows what to do in that case. Touchdown. I see what you did there, too. Exercise the demons there, right? When you said <laughs> this house is clean, the extra point is good. From You got to remember, I mean, that's a situation where the Arizona Cardinals scored their first touchdown in the first quarter of a game. It took that long, that long to actually do it. And um, they have been really, really um, behind the eight ball in terms of coming out and being ready to play in that first quarter, man. They really have. And it was so good to actually see that happen, especially with DeAndre Hopkins, because he is really, really a different dude, man. Um, You know, I love his leadership. I love the fact that he cares about guys, uh, cares enough to actually challenge them. As a wide receiver, you don't see a lot of that. Mm-hmm. A lot of those guys walking up on other guys going, what are you doing, man? Let's go. Well, that's D-Hop, and he does it with everybody, and it starts with himself. He challenges himself to actually get going. And when he's not rolling, he points to himself as well, and I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot, too, and I had to bring that up. And, of course, that's Dave Pash, your your broadcast partner. And, of course, hey, let's talk about, real quick, you are Dave Pash's uh, a guest this week at in the, the, the Pash podcast, right? Yeah, you know, I just sat down with David uh, the other day, as a matter of fact, and I believe he released it yesterday, the Dave Pash podcast. And uh, it's done through the Arizona Cardinals as well. Got a chance to sit down with Dave and talk about life. You know, so much of the time, um, you know, we share a faith. And uh, you guys know that David is a born-again believer. And um, he's a follower of Jesus Christ. And uh, yeah, we get we get the opportunity to talk many times on the road personally. But um, we just got to sit down and talk about, um, you know, the past and all the years we've been doing it almost 20 years on the radio together. 
And uh, I can't even believe saying that, guys, because I remember what it was like game one. And, yeah. and Dave is so good. Uh, he's just a fantastic, gifted broadcaster. And yet uh, we've got such a tight relationship. It's it's beautiful, man. He's a good dude. I really like Dave. A good yes. Hey, anyone who can put up with a Bill, they're at basketball. <laughs> Even though I call him Il Bahuddle. I was going to say, well, Bahuddle, which is yeah. the bird in Spanish. Does he know you call him that off, like when you're out and about? Does he know you call him that? Oh, yeah, he does all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Bahuddle. All right. So, again, you know, that was. <laughs> It's the bird. <laughs> Let's do the bird, man. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, listen, I, I can't wait to listen to it. I actually have not yet, but I certainly will be. And who knows? Maybe we'll pull a clip out of there. If Pash Man lets us, if he's got a good one on you. He usually gets you some way, somehow. Well, tell uh, me how it sounds, Soda Pop, because I haven't listened to one of his yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly why I know it's going to be good. But, hey, we're going to love you, David. <laughs> we're going to go ahead here and move this on. And I really want to know your thoughts on this. This is pretty good right here, I think. I like it. It's, of course, with Coach Bill Belichick. You know, it says, talent sets the floor, character sets the ceiling. Derry, why don't you start with this? What is that telling you in the terms of the world of football? Talent sets the floor. Hmm. Character sets the ceiling. You know, I would think I'd probably go more talent sets the floor, desire is your ceiling. It's whatever it's, it's about, you know, if you, everybody's got so much talent, you go into that league, everybody's talented in that league. There's no doubt about it. Uh, character. I think he's referring to character as being that part of the passion, the desire that you have to do your job and you come in, you do it every day. One of the greatest exponents of that, I thought always thought was the goat Tom Brady, first guy in the building, last guy to leave the building, setting the pace, the tone for everybody else. You are a superstar, but you're a superstar who works hard as hard as anybody could possibly imagine. And he really set the tone in and out of that building, I think. So in my mind, yeah, I would probably, I'd say the talent is the floor, but the ceiling, it's character or your desire to be great. How, how bad do you want it? Yeah, boy, I love that soda pop. I really do because um, that reminds me so much of Bill. Good thoughts. And you guys know the affinity that I have for Belichick uh, playing for him two years. Um, it was really, it was awesome to do it. He left you alone. He depended on you to go out and lead. He depended on you to go out and be um, your own motivator, so to speak. He believed in self-motivated players, period. And when I hear that quote, talent sets the floor, I agree with him 100%. Character, I think he's including desire. That's part of your character and right. who you are, that you want to be good, that you have the desire, to your point, Derry, to be good. I agree with that statement, and yet it's so simple and so brilliant. That's Bill. That's who he is. You know what I always loved was when you see that, that clip of Bill come down the line and goes, do your job, do your yes. job, do yes. your job. That's Do your yeah. job. You know, I mean, there's to me, you know, it's like this past weekend at game, you know, with the Steelers and beating the Saints. I call it a Yoda game. Look, I, I believe in it. You know, Yoda, Star Wars, 
do or do not. There is no trying. You either do it or you don't. That's what the NFL is. If you don't do it enough, you get gone. That's yeah. the way it is. Okay. But everybody, that's how I'd want it. It's your maximum performance. It takes everything you got. All right. And you lay it on the line week in and week out. And when you can't do it anymore, you get gone. Yeah. But not only that, those, but Derry, you know, and I've talked to you about this before, but it drives me crazy because sometimes this was me, at least. I would try as hard as I possibly could to block Lawrence Taylor. I'd get my face kicked in. Am I going to change the way that I try to block Lawrence? No, I'm not. I'm not going to change it. Not one bit. I'm going to do it again and again and again. But my trying didn't always pay off. Many times I got beat. Right. You got beat. There is no trying. You either do it or you don't. Now you you well, keep I going after try. it, but remember you you keep going after it, and finally those do nots become do's. You know what I mean? That's the same thing. You know that so many people want to sit there and say, "Well, I'm trying." That you know you know as well as I do that quarterback that you just gave up a sack to. Okay, he he don't he don't want to hear about you. I'm trying. All right, you know you tell a story about. Big smooth blocking uh, Reggie White, you know what I mean, and yeah. and he had a couple of sacks, you know, and and and, and poor Neil, the quarterback, Lomax, right, and he's like, what, you know, what's the deal, you know, you keep and and Reggie's just doing his job, you know, big smooth, yeah. you got to do it, you either I, do I, it or you don't. But I know, but once again, when you try, Craig, you you tried as hard as you possibly could and got there's beat no question place. Right, but if you did not get to a point where you were able to do it, you wouldn't have stayed. Oh okay. no. Well, let me jump in here. What I'm saying is this. I don't know if it's about trying. It's either you do it and successful or you don't when you're that's what I'm talking about, being successful. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's not that you try and you're medium, it's either you're successful or you're not. I think yeah, that's, that's the result of the play. That doesn't mean you don't try. I'm, and you're talking about the result, and you're talking about the process. That's what you're doing. Oh, that computer. sounded good. Yeah, well, look at you. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm going to say this, all right? <laughs> this is something I've been wanting to show you, and I want to know what you think about this. And be brief here, because then I want to tell a story. Let's talk about the wide receiver rub in the NFL. Oh, yeah. As you can see here. Go ahead, Pony Boy. I want you to start out. Tell me about the wide receiver rub, what's going on, and then uh, tell me how you feel about it. Yeah, it's, a, it's a pick play. I mean, that's what it is. You're, you're trying to pick man cover. It's a man beater route, and you're trying to pick the guy. And, you know, for me, once again, um, you don't have to try super hard to make that play work. Um, it's They've been doing it for a long, long time. Um, you know, I, I, if I were a defensive coordinator in that situation and you saw the pick coming, sometimes you'll just banjo that thing where you'll go ahead and actually have the inside guy roll off on the outside number one receiver who's coming in and then the outside corner actually waiting for the guy coming around. But um, however you're going to do it, it's a pick play and it's been around for a long time in the NFL and it's going to stay. Oh, there's no question about it. And back in the day, we used to call it sprint right pick or sprint left pick. Um, But we had to stop doing it because that was illegal. (laughs) So we called it. Then it becomes the rub route. (laughs) Yep. 
All that is is totally. It's a moving. It's a moving. It's totally a pick, man. It's just. It's so. But it's so legal now, and it drives me insane. But how subtle can you be whilst going about your job? That's the key. That's you know what I mean? You stop and then you gotta. What's that? Got to be an actor as well. Yeah, just like exactly. the putter falling down. Got to be an actor, or the quarterbacks working, uh, the refs there, as we know they do so much. But here's my story, and really quick, I was head coach at Phoenix College, and this is when you had already left, Pony. And you know, when you have a junior college, you have coaches that will come and go. They get they work on stipends. They're not getting the most amount of money, so you could always go. We're going to spring ball, and of course, I. I, my uh, defensive back coach, my corners coach, he, he got a job at Princeton. So he's gone the next day. Spring ball starts the next day. And I'm like, I don't have a corners coach. What am I going to do? So as the head coach, I have to improvise, right? And I'm thinking I'm watching those guys, those corners and the safety and the, and the, the rub and all that. And I'm thinking, what can I do to teach these guys? I don't know zone and, and the, the techniques and leverage and, and the splits that you take. You know, what can you do? I thought, you know what I can do? I can go ahead and teach these guys press. We're going to be press man all the time. We're just going to go press man. And what you do is you line up and you got a, a wide receiver in front of you and you're going to be an offensive lineman and you're going to hold him off of releasing on the line. Like you're an offensive lineman protecting him from the quarterback. And if you can go ahead and do that and with the technique, moving your feet until he breaks your center line, he crosses that. And then you got to turn and go with them in the route. Right. I mean, think about that as an offensive lineman, Gary. You're blocking and you're trying to keep your body in front of his right. so to make it so he can't release out. So that's all I do for spring ball the entire spring ball. And I get this one kid. He's right out of the, the, the inner city, man. And he had so much athletic ability, but he didn't have much experience. And I said, I said, okay, this is what we're doing. So I taught him every single day for 15 practices. I taught him how to press man. He got a scholarship at the University of Utah. Jimmy Johnson, because all he did was press man. That's beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. You have to improvise. I, I taught him to be an offensive lineman. And, By and the then, way, you know what? I just saw the guy that originated all that press man stuff, the great Mel Blunt, the guy that the NFL changed the rules for, and I was laughing with him. I said, I, I was asking him, I said, Mel, what's it like, you know, being you, he goes, I walk around, I see all these young defensive backs. They're all looking at me and they're going, that's the guy that ruined it for us. <laughs> because Mel could just beat up any any of the wide receivers. When I got there, he was 6'4", 215 pounds and ran a 4'4", 40. Come on, man. And, and he still was great. He just beat up the wide receivers, man. Yeah. Yeah, he sure did. Okay, so let's finish up here. Let's get this going. And, uh, uh, Derry, let's hear this highlight right here. We'll talk about the Steelers and the upcoming foe. Now it is end around Pickens. Turns it upfield. The rookie from Georgia, 30. First down, 25, and he's out of bounds at the Saints' 24-yard line. We got a little gadgetration, Billy. You got Pickens coming around, coming around, and he drops the ball off in a little reversal, and you got – Pickens running hog wild, going up in between some blocks. Nice job. Okay, first of all, before you get to Steelers, what's gadgetration? Gadgetration is a little bit, it's one step up from trickeration. <laughs> trickeration would be like faking, but then if you if you do something, you add another reverse to it, it's another level up. So gadgetration is just simply the next step up from trickeration. 
All right, very good. And tell me this, what, what about the offense? I, I can see that they really created different ways. You saw Pickens running there, doing a lot to help Kenny Pickens out. Well, the funny thing is they ran jet sweep motion, but they did it with Pickens for one of the I, – I don't, I'm not sure if they've done it before at all, but they did it down at the goal line. And Pickens just cleared the, the, the quarterback exchange. And instead of going all the way out, which it was designed to do, he just dove in in the B gap. He only had a yard, less than a yard to go. And the funny part was after the game was over, he said, I ain't doing that no more. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a smart man. And so, Pony, let's go ahead and – get to you and coming up go ahead and break it down what what are the cards got to do this week to win it yeah oh man you know it's going to be so hard because the 49ers are so physical on the line of scrimmage uh defensively in particular they're number one in rushing yards per game allowed and number one in rushing yards per play allowed stop and think about that mm. that defense is just lights out in that front seven the line of scrimmage with Nick Bosa, of course, and big Eric Armstead, uh, Fred Warner, who I think is the best Mike linebacker in the game right now. He's the inside linebacker for the 49ers. They are abandon all hope, ye who enter here, when it comes to trying to run the ball against them. And then they get you in third and obvious pass situations, and they go after you with a four-man rush. They drop, They rush four, drop seven, play that two, cover two safety high, make you work it down the field, but they're able to rush for and get pressure in your face. It really is their defense that is making them tick right now, even though they have great offensive players with um, Christian McCaffrey, of course, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. You got to be kidding me. Jimmy G is their quarterback. He's a good game manager, I think, at this point in his career. But this is a physical, physical team. It's going to be on Monday night in Mexico City. Um, Hopefully, Hollywood Brown is going to be activated. They opened the window for him coming off of IR today. And hopefully, he's going to be able to play on Monday night with D-Hop and James Conner. And hopefully, we're going to see the Arizona Cardinals offense that we all have been waiting to see. Um, with those two guys in particular, this is going to be a, a, a big game. It's a huge game for the Cardinals. They can go five and six if they win this game. They can be right back into the division conversation and possibly a playoff conversation with six games to go. Or, of course, they could be four and seven and pretty much done in terms of the playoffs. So it's a huge game for the Cardinals coming up. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Well, I look forward to I hope that the, the, the Cards get it done. I hope the Steelers get it done. Big games for all. And, and let's get the Bills back on that winning track, please. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, well, listen, that's it, fellas. Thank you so much. You are professionals, as always. Uh, I love what you guys do, and it's so much fun that we get together here. Uh, I'm going to say this, you know, for the three wolves of football, everybody out there, thank you for listening. And, you know, for all of us, and Derry's Brides. Have a great day. Only one, buddy. Hey, pony boy, man. Don't drink the water, brother. Okay. <laughs> See you, fellas. Love, Love you guys. You. Love you, Hoop. <laughs>